We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey everybody, Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, check out our Facebook group called Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. LinkedIn is the channel that you'll actually find me most active on. Make sure you send a note with your connection request that references Social Capital. I post daily. I post information about all the guests, the fantastic guests that have been on this show. I also post some very valuable uh, marketing information that you can definitely implement into your business today. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency hosting bi-weekly educational webinars. Check out more at keystoneclick.com forward slash webinars. Today, I've got two guests with me, Shannon Ross and Adam Procell. Shannon is the executive director of The Community, a nonprofit he founded while incarcerated to foster the successes, humanity, and agency of people with criminal records. He is also co-owner of Paradigm Shift, a new second chance employment consulting agency that trains incarcerated people prior to release and helps employers benefit from this untapped pool, both while incarcerated and post-release. Adam... Uh, Adam Purcell, three days after turning 15 years old, Adam was involved in a gang-related homicide and received a life sentence. He would become the youngest inmate within the walls of Wisconsin's most violent adult prison. But over the following 23 years of incarceration, he would renounce his gang membership and work tirelessly to keep teenagers from joining gangs. Today, Adam is dedicated to providing those released with the resources needed to succeed and making our community a safer place. Shannon and Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lauren. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. It's fantastic, fascinating uh, topic and and just life experiences that you two have. Um, But I'm really intrigued by the advocacy for um, getting back into everyday functioning society and employment. And obviously, employment is a hot topic today. So uh, it's going to be a good show. Let's let's dive right in. Um, What exactly does second chance employment mean? And why should people care about it? So second chance employment basically just refers to helping people who have gone through the justice system get employed after that experience. So it can be anyone who was sentenced to probation, sentenced to some years in prison, or as in Adam's case, life in prison. And, you know, you're back. And uh, the one statistic that to me is the only conversation that needs to really be had when it comes to what do we do when it comes to people coming out of prison or people that have criminal records is that 95% of people who go to prison come back. So who do we want them to be when they return to our communities? Cause they're going to be coming regardless of what a person thinks or anybody, you know, believes politically, ideologically, they're going to return. So we should at least have a process set up to incorporate the value they have as human beings and as employers and as citizens as much as possible. So second chance employment is all about, how do we best do that? Yeah, I, I think that's fascinating. And why should people care about this topic? Adam, you want to dive into that? Sure. Um, and just to expound a little bit on what Shannon said, if 95% of the people that are going to prison come home, we should care about it because eventually at some point 
95% of the people that have been incarcerated might be your neighbor. So do we want that neighbor to be somebody who can contribute um, successfully to society? Or do we want that somebody to be someone that feels ostracized, has to go back to what they used to do because nobody will hire them? Um, a lot of people who have gotten out of prison have children. And in no way is it an excuse to commit crimes if you can't provide food for your, your family. But we have to look at it realistically and understand that, okay, if John Doe has served his time or her time and they want to contribute to society, but nobody will hire them, what are they going to do? Again, no, no justification, but we have to really start looking at things logically. Well, and that, that brings up a really interesting question here now. So what has been the experience of companies and people in general who have hired from the justice impacted community? So one thing I want to point out with that is that that term is really interesting because there's a lot of debate within the advocacy groups and justice reform groups and abolition groups and all the other terms that go around this kind of work, reentry, whatever it may be. And it really just comes down to people that have gone through the carceral side of the system. You've got justice impacted, system impacted, justice involved. There's a, a number of terms. And so that's one thing I would definitely want to encourage anyone who's looking at it to not get too scared by what terms do I use or what language is appropriate now? I don't want to offend anybody. I think people would generally be very open to somebody just asking, you know, what, how do I refer to this population? How do I refer to you all? Um, the heart is really the most important thing. So that's one thing I want to touch on is the language can sometimes be a barrier for people sure. uh, when it comes to getting involved in a lot of things <laughs> and the way the world is operating now with a lot of areas opening up for, you know, uh, groups that have traditionally been, uh, you know, disadvantaged to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the numbers kind of speak for themselves. I mean, you have the Second Chance Business Coalition, who's been put together by uh, SHRM. Um, and they have a number of companies, big time companies, Kroger, Walmart, MasterCard, McDonald's, Amazon, they've all signed on as supporting this and showing that they are really behind um, the value this population brings and really trying to incorporate them. Um, and just 82%, this is just one statistic, and there's always so many statistics that you can look at. 82% um, of managers report that the value second chance employees bring to the organization is as high as or higher than that of workers without records. It's something that we hear a lot too from organizations that get people jobs and they get out. And even on work release, which we both experienced inside before we were currently in prison working at free jobs, is that there's a hunger, there's a humility, there's a desire to really show and get our life back that you get from workers that are formerly incarcerated that you don't always get from people who have been out in the world and kind of take a lot of things for granted. So both the numbers and our experience that we've seen personally and from groups that we work with who get people jobs uh, shows that there's you know a significant value behind this population being hired not just as charity but to help everyone grow and you know help out their bottom lines. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I'm I'm curious. Um, obviously, discrimination is a word that is used across uh, a number of different um, communities, entities, individuals, organizations, and and what happens if there's still discrimination based on criminal history within you know. If, if that's the way companies are looking at things. I think it kind of goes back to what I was referencing earlier. What happens if that's the case? So let's say somebody with a criminal background applies for a job, they turn them down and are continue to get turned down. What does that look like for them? So what does going dark look like? 
what does somebody do? So I think when you, when you ask what happens, I, I feel, and this is truly unfortunate in my opinion, but I feel another victim is gonna be created because what other options are there if they cannot work to provide that um, food or, or shelter for their family? What does that look like? And so many times people just disregard that. They just kind of say, well, they shouldn't have made that mistake. But I'm a, I'm a firm believer in whatever sentence you have shouldn't necessarily be deemed a, a life sentence. If you're sentenced to five years in prison for whatever crime and you get out, if you can't get a job because of that record, it becomes a de facto life sentence. And that's unacceptable. And I, I may be speaking from, let's see, just my pure ignorance, but you know, what, what your, your resume, what your, your history is, is a, a level of trust. So how do you combat trust? So you mean the trust of hiring somebody that has that background, of course. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they've obviously broken trust at some degree. That's why they're in that state. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that kind of ties in with something you know Adam was talking about too. Is that how, for one, there's the there's a tax credit and there's a bonding uh, program. So that if you hire somebody who's criminal record, you get a tax credit and you have uh, bonding that will ensure you if something happens. So those two are you know. I don't want to say cover everything, but they definitely are there to ensure some kind of protection. Sure. Um, there's also a level of kind of imagination. So you can imagine that every person that comes to you has a whole swath of ideas and background and maybe mental health issues in some way that you will not be able to see just by meeting them and dealing with them for a week or two. Sure. Yep. So there's that risk already that's happening every time. So many crimes when people commit them is by new people who've never been to prison. You know, so it's something where we have to kind of get out of the context of what you've done is who you are and start to see somebody more so for who they are now. Um, not getting caught up on a term like criminal record or a violent crime in their past because there's all these different really interesting aspects, hidden secrets of the justice reform and, and of people who have criminal records. One is that those who have been in for very long times and have violent crimes have one of the lowest recidivism rates. So because you've been in for so long, because you have done a lot of contemplation and introspection and really kind of had to meet yourself in a small cell for minutes after minutes with nobody else to help you get away from yourself, it is something where you come out with a, honestly, a, a wholeness or a healthiness that a lot of people in society don't have. So it's just kind of understanding that when you see somebody, the label, the way the mind connects to a label will make you fear them and think that they have to regain their trust. But what about all the people that you don't know their background about? who you're not asking to regain their trust. So kind of like a, a blank slate is a safe way to always meet people at, and that'll help just get past what is really an irrelevant drawback to the way the mind connects with terms, more so than actually a concern or a fear that is there presented by that person. Sure, yeah, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. That was well stated. Um, so, you know, right now, I see, especially in like the manufacturing space, there's huge labor shortages. So how do you, how, if a company was interested in taking the next step and learning more about second chance employment opportunities and, and, and re-entry or, you know, whatever that right language is, right. <laughs> what can they do? <laughs> how, how do they do that? How do they find the people that are looking for the jobs that want to work? 
They approached one of the, the many reentry organizations that are in Milwaukee currently. Us, for instance, at Partners in Hope, we are constantly bombarded by employers saying, look, we, we need workers. Uh, we just need somebody that's going to show up day in and day out and work hard. We're willing to pay them 15, 16, 17, $18 plus an hour. Mm-hmm. There's a, one of the biggest myths I think people incarcerated are told is that nobody's going to hire you when you get out. And right now, at least in Milwaukee and this jobs boom, it's the exact opposite. We can pretty much throw a rock and find an employer willing to hire somebody. And for a lot of people, whether they're in work release status or Huber status, those are people that they know for a fact are going to show up unlike a lot of the other employees. So right now it's the, it's the best time in recent memory, in my opinion, for those who are with criminal records can get employed. Interesting. Yeah, really. Thanks for sharing that. And that's, um, I mean, you shared some Milwaukee resources. I imagine that's on a national level that there's resources available for that, correct? Yeah, there's there's a variety of um, resources. I, I Just the things that I've seen that I've encountered that I find reliable are kind of reaching out to some of those that can connect you to the others. Um, so Adam's organization, of Partners in Hope, uh, mine, the community, we very much are hubs where you can come to us. We have a variety of partners. We're very, very deep into this space um, in the city and statewide and even nationally. And I, I think the second chance, not to keep promoting them, you know, we don't get any stock. We're not even connected with them at all. But the second chance business coalition dot um, org, they have a lot of little resources, a lot of advice, things for you to go to. Um, and organizations like with me and Adam have started out with our consulting firm, with you know, Paradigm Shift, we can then kind of have more of a boutique approach. So if you are trying to just get information on maybe an organization organization to contact or some stuff to read and get a better understanding of things, that's what stuff like Second Chance Business Coalition would help with or some of the other state entities. There's a lot of resource directories and so forth. But then if you really wanna get into brass tacks and really understand how to deal with individuals at the micro level, uh, that's where we would come in and be able to help you know, incorporate and even attract, retain, and, you know, train and retain talent. You know, we have a whole pipeline of people coming out that we're connecting with to get them trained so that they will be really, really prepared to enter job fields and have connections with organizations and and industries before they get out. So there's that loyalty concept as well. So, um, I mean, honestly, just, you know, you can reach out to us and we probably can connect to anybody in the state with where they're trying to go and what they need help with um, in this regard for hiring from this population. That's great. That's awesome. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I think this is a great time to pause for a quick message from our sponsor. Social Capital is sponsored by Bamboo Reach. Bamboo Reach, a division of Keystone Click, offers fresh, cost-effective websites and marketing services for the solopreneur and micro-business owner so they can confidently promote their business online. As a small business owner, you have a lot of expertise to offer your ideal customer. Let Bamboo Reach take the stress out of your website development and marketing messaging so that you can grow and focus on what you do well. Visit BambooReach.com to learn more. All right, Shannon, Adam, this show is all about networking and relationships. And to a number of people, it's a scary word. It invokes fear, hesitation, and certainty. Can you share with our listeners uh, one of your favorite networking experiences that you've had? Can we both go or uh, do you want one of us? I don't want to go for it. If you both got some cool stories to share, I want to hear it. So I've got, I've got one. I have an, a number of them. Cause when I was inside, I was immensely blessed to just have people who would allow me to make 
three-way phone calls and I would be just calling home saying they call so-and-so I saw them in a magazine I want to try and reach out to them and so the organization itself began because of a small donation we had from an executive director of an organization called Hudson Link in New York and they were one of the preeminent um, higher education and prison programs in the state at that time in the country at that time because um, the Pell Grants had been done for at that point like 15 years and so just doing that reaching out to him and staying in touch with him and then he donated to help the organization get going and donated along the way. And he's just been a, you know, a really powerful um, advocate and a resource uh, since, you know, 2013 back when I first connected with him. So that, that was one when I was in and when I got out clubhouse, I, a friend of mine who I knew in high school uh, just was talking to him about a, a trucking company that I, I had set up with a friend, a childhood friend. And um, at the time I didn't know what I was going to do. And he was like, yeah, let me connect you on clubhouse. There's this trucking guru. I didn't know what I was doing. I just got on there and right away, I just, from that, I made so many connections nationally um, in the work that we do that is really just born fruit. And it's just been, it's really cool. It's how the craziest things are just go down an alley and find yourself in a palace sometimes. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it's been my experience. That's awesome. For me, I would say it's definitely, if I had to describe my life and success so far, it would be at the result of networking. And for me, one of the sessions that we run here at Partners in Hope is called Building Bridges with Law Enforcement, where we invite officers all the way up from rookie to inspector within the MPD to come and humanize the badge. And we give our guys that have gotten out of prison a chance to humanize the tattoo, so to speak. And we create a safe space for a conversation to be held so we can look at each other as human beings. One of these uh, sessions, there was a at the time, Captain Boston Smith had attended, and she has since been promoted to inspector, and she now is the supervisor of the police academy. And last year, with all the the George Floyd and Blake situations, there was definitely a need for better relationships between community and the police department. So that connection, Inspector Boston Smith, uh, led me to meet the captain at the police academy, and we came to a decision on how to best combine those who have gotten out of prison with those just entering the police department. Um, And then so we came up with this idea where I was introduced and went undercover at the police academy. Uh, My name was Lieutenant Smith from Detroit. And I kind of just gave myself a chance to humanize myself without the preconceived biases of, of incarceration. It was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. And it all came from a session that we did here that led to one step further and one step further beyond that. Fascinating. I agree. There's the connecting, connecting is so powerful in so many different ways, isn't it? And, and oftentimes someone that you meet today, you have no idea how they're going to impact you down the road. Um, how do you stay in front of and best nurture your network? I think for me, it's just been a matter of always trying to make sure that I'm connecting people to other people or resources that I see they need, because then that feels them to in turn, remember me when something comes about that they, you know, find would be valuable to the work I'm doing or any projects I have, or even my, you know, my career in general, if if I can say that. So it's always about kind of putting myself out there for them first and then trusting the process that 
you know, it will come back around. And even if it doesn't, you know, you're still helping out people that you've, for whatever reason, found a connection to. And by them helping their work, it's just helping you still, because that's the whole goal is to, you know, have a, a macro view of the way we're operating instead of, you know, transactional is a terrible way to operate the world. So it's just, how can I help you out? And, you know, it'll come back to me, just even if it doesn't, because you directly offer something to me, you just doing your work and doing good by the connection I made or the resource I provided or the help I gave you is going to help us in general, because I believe in what you're doing. For me, I would say, given the, the job title that I have now, community outreach specialist, networking and keeping those relationships active is, is paramount to the success of my role within this organization. And I think it, it boils down to the little things, just being, being a human being and, and accepting others as human beings as well. So as crazy and as simple as it sounds, I, I go back to those, those lessons I learned in the sandbox and just, just play nice with others, seem interested, be interested, ask about somebody's day. And it might be off the topic of whatever current um, meeting you might be in, but I feel relationship building is a pivotal part of network building. Nobody's really gonna remember somebody that just looks at you as a means to an end. I think you really have to look at the person as a person, which seems odd as an odd thing to say, but I feel it's extremely important to humanize one another. I think that sticks in people's minds in the end. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, so we've all heard of the six degrees of separation. Who would be the one person that you'd love to connect with? And do you think you can do it within the sixth degree? I'd love to hear both of your takes on this. It's, it's an interesting question because for me, I feel that anyone that I look at or that I know and that give me a sense of, I wish I could talk to that person. Just in my experience, and I'm kind of a baby. I mean, I've, I've only been out now for <laughs> eight months, um, but I've been, you know, my, my degree is in business and I've read countless literature about um, how the world operates in this sense. So I, I feel like I'm, you know, versed enough to say this, that on the way to meeting that person through the six degrees, one of those degrees is going to be more interesting and more valuable than the person I felt like I was trying to get to. Uh, so it would be more so I'd be wanting to reach that person with the intent of finding out who really is, you know, going to be uh, more intriguing and more connected to or aligned with what I'm trying to do in life along the way. Again, just trusting that process. So I don't know if there'd be anybody that I would say other than just um, I like to explore. I think I'm just going to find a thread and pull on it. And um, I, I don't think that going for the ultimate specific person that I, that I think is gonna be who I wanna to talk to um, is the best way to go. I feel like just kind of following specific people that I have never met and just kind of getting a feel for them. As crazy as that sounds, I guess has been my experience. Well, you're, you're embracing the journey, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. All right, Adam, what about you? That's an interesting question for me. And to answer that, I kind of have to help you understand what it feels like to have served 23 years in prison, and prison is a very de dehumanizing place. So I find that even today, I sometimes struggle on anything is possible. And even though I know that consciously, sometimes I feel, no, I'll take a step back before I answer my own thought. Inside, everything kind of looks like it's a movie, the outside world that is. So when you watch the news or you watch a movie or a TV show, 
it, it's it all seems foreign. You don't necessarily feel as though you're a part of society. So now that I'm out, sometimes I have to tell myself, you know, you can contact whomever you want to. There is that avenue for that. And I realized in the two and a half years that I've been released that the six degrees of separation concept is, is very accurate. I can only speak to really Milwaukee at this point, but I feel that there's very few people in Milwaukee that I couldn't contact within someone in my social circle. And then taking that nationally, I feel depending on the circumstance, the same would probably apply. I feel you have to have a give or, or a reason to reach out to some of these individuals. But I think uh, at the end of the day, it, it's possible. As to who, I would feel that, and again, I as well, I don't know if I'd put a name on it, but it would definitely be a, a large investor because I feel if we had funds to do with what we needed to do, we could truly save some lives. And so rather than approaching a person for a reason, it would probably be, be a foundation that has the means to, to help us financially make our community a safer place. Interesting. Well, I'm going to challenge both of you to actually put a name out there. And, and you don't have to do that now, just to think about that. Um, as far as, you know, you have, you have goals. You guys, you both have very lofty goals, which I think is fantastic, 100%. Um, I'm a big advocate of the philosophy of start with the end in mind. So if you have goals, Adam, of trying to reach an investor, get clear on who it is that you want to reach so that you can start building that path and reverse engineer how you're actually going to do that. And yeah, you, you may steer off that path and find someone fascinating to connect with that's going to help you achieve that goal. But I think if you get clarity in, in who that is that you want to connect with, magic is really going to happen once you start putting the, that intention out there. Okay. Understood. So I'll say Elon Musk since he's in the news and he's go for it. Wow. I love it. <laughs> Let's just shoot for the stars right away. I love it. In that case, how to the moon. <laughs> uh, so just, I mean, you never know, right? You just have to put it out in the universe and say, this is the person I want to connect with and, and we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say for me, it's Cuban, Mark Cuban. I've, I've, um, definitely admired his, his, uh, his mind and his, I, I feel like he has a very good, very good soul. Um, this sure. is what I've seen. So I would say definitely Mark Cuban. Love it. All right. So now you have to reverse engineer that and figure out how you're going to start that journey to connect with Elon Musk and Mark Cuban. I mean, We're you don't have to do that, that now. <laughs> we'll see who can approach who first. There you go. Make it a race. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you both the opportunity to ask me one question and interview me here. So what is something you'd like to ask me? Who wants to go first? Hmm. Um, I'm going to say you are a, you are a graduate of UWM, I believe. Am I correct? Uh, I was an uh, adjunct professor at UWM. Adjunct I, professor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going to tie it in there somehow with me going to school. You <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I taught there for a couple of years. So have you found in um, navigating business in Milwaukee that, because I'm always interested in just how other cities, I just came from Chicago and I was in Atlanta a couple months ago. And yeah, not like I'm doing big time things. I'm just seeing people and kind of getting a feel for stuff. But 
just how there's so much money and you see the way it's structured and the way it's kind of built out with um, much more just capital than Milwaukee is. Have you found in being uh, more well-versed and, and, and steeped in the business committee, it sounds like, um, that there is a lot of interest on building Milwaukee County or Brookfield. Is this kind of this area up or is it just kind of people going at a very, this is how it's gone and we're just going to keep going at this kind of pace um, mentality? Oh, yeah. No, that's really interesting, specific to Milwaukee, I'd say. Um, I've connected and met a number of individuals and organizations over the years that everyone is on a mission to, to make Milwaukee better. And I think that's fascinating. And you even just look at what's happened in the last 20 years in Milwaukee. I mean, our city is becoming, you know, more beautified every single day. in my opinion, I love our park systems. I mean, our freeways have, have gotten better. I mean, there's still a lot of room for improvement. But the errors are the, um, and this is just my own personal opinion, I think that there's too many segmentations in the different groups that are kind of siloed and working independently, as opposed to like, let's bring everyone together for a greater purpose and work towards the same goal instead of little pockets trying to do little pieces independently. It's so funny to hear you use the word de-silo because that's exactly what Shannon and I are doing within the reentry field. There are so many entities or reentry service providers that are awesome, but everybody's within their own little silo or bunker. Mm-hmm. And the end result is people are falling through the cracks and, and people are, are dying and hurting others. So it's interesting to hear you say that more on a, a macro level as opposed to just a micro reentry side of things. Sure. My question for you would be, earlier you spoke on networking and connectors being that you asked that question who are two people or two entities that you feel need to be connected to have a conversation and possible outcome of said conversation oh wow (laughs) oh man i i mean my my network is quite large and you know i i i'm the type of person that I am, and I talk about this in past episodes, is like the hub and spoke strategy of networking, like connect with the hubs, because the hubs are the people that have all the spokes and all the connections. And I I kind of consider myself a hub. So when I see two people that need to meet, I just make it happen right away. I don't wait in in hope that they cross paths. I I just say, you guys got to meet and make it happen. So I, I wouldn't say anything is top of mind of two people that have to meet because I just try to make the connection happen as soon as as soon as that little spark flies in my head that goes oh my god Adam you got to meet this person you know or Shannon you got to meet this person and I just make it happen right away so it's kind of a vague answer but <laughs> it's the truth well, I'm going to challenge you the same way you challenged us we're going to need a name and two names <laughs> <laughs> well played sir oh man <laughs> Although I did say you didn't need to answer right away. So I hope you're going to give me that grace. Oh, let's see. Um, yeah, I think we would, we would, we would prefer the better thought out answer. So yeah, you can, right. you can send it to us later. Yep. That'll work. I, I can do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for, for that challenge. Uh, well received here. Okay. So this is great. Um, do either of you have any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? 
think really just if you have any interest in the field that we're in, in hiring from this population and um, connecting to the pipeline of people we you know are, are working on right now, having coming out, um, you know, just contact us. I think the information will be uh, made available on the podcast in some way online, but um, you know, it's Adam at paradigm shift.com and Shannon at paradigm shift.com our email addresses. Um, so I think that's kind of the base point is if you, if you have an interest in the area, just, you know, give us uh, some contact and we'll definitely help you out as, as much as we can, which is pretty significantly. We have a lot of experience and connections in this space to be a value to a person if they sparks their interest. And I think, I think our latest edit on the email signature was .org. So Adam at paradigmshift.org and Shannon at paradigmshift.org. Ah, uh, good catch. Yes. <laughs> um, the last, I guess the last thing I would suggest is, you know, we, we get that people who have been incarcerated, at the end of the day, they've hurt somebody. And you, you can't uncry those tears that that pain caused. So we get it. But at the end of the day, knowing that 95% of the people that come out are gonna in some way need to make the society a better place. And so we just wanna ask people, for those of you who are thinking about or contemplating hiring somebody with a criminal background, would you wanna be held responsible for the worst mistake you ever made in your life and have that held against you forever? Again, not taking away from the, the pain and harm that people have caused, we get it. But at some point, if we're truly invested in making our community a safer place, we have to start looking at things a little bit differently. And hopefully at some point uh, can give those who have made a mistake a second chance. That's a really interesting perspective. Thank you, Adam, for that. Um, I know you shared some email addresses, but is there any other contact details you'd like to share if anyone was interested in, in touching base with either of you? I think that works for, for me, the Adam at paradigmshift.org. Yeah, the, I mean, we have our individual uh, day job, so to speak, that we come from with um, Adam at Community Warehouse and me at the community. Um, so those are also ways to also find out about things that, you know, we're also involved in in our background of getting into this, um, which is, I think, mine is, it's the community us is my side. And Adam, I don't want to misstate again <laughs> what the <laughs> URL is for the community, for the community warehouse. Yeah, mine's a procell at thecommunitywarehouse.org. Very long, too long for you to remember. So I'm sure Lloyd can put it on her website. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to include all these details on yeah. the website. So don't even worry about that. Now, Shannon, you're on LinkedIn. Adam, are you on LinkedIn? Yes, under my name, Adam Procell. Fantastic. All right. That's awesome. We'll include all this info. Thank you so much, Adam and Shannon, for being on the show today. Really appreciate your insights. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Very appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. This wraps up our episode. A huge thank you to Adam and Shannon again for taking the time to connect with us. As mentioned before, reach out, connect with me on LinkedIn, connect with Shannon, connect with Adam. I'm looking forward to hearing from you shortly, and I hope you all have an amazing day. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.